Glory to God. That's too good. Amen. Amen. How's everybody doing today? Good morning. Good to see you. Glad to, good, good to be here. I'm just pumped. I'm pumped. I was, I was standing in the bathroom this morning in front of the mirror, and I was getting ready for church, and I'm like, man, church is going to be good this morning, right? My, in my spirit, I'm just like, man, church is going to be good this morning. And then it hit me that I'm preaching. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I'm preaching. Wait, what's my word about? What's going to be good about it? And it, it, it was my flesh. And I said, no, but the spirit, the spirit, God does what he wants. Listen, I could come and I could say, Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was light as snow. And man, hundreds could get saved. It could happen. It will happen. There will be a day where it will happen because it's God. It's not me. It's not us. Yes, we come, we prepare, we do what we do. So I get to stand up here and share what I've been learning. I've, I've, I get to stand up here and I get to feed you a little bit. I love the, I love the scripture that came this morning. It's, in, it's from the book, actually, in case you don't know, the book that we're reading. He mentions it in this book. It's uh, Jeremiah chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. This is a declaration of God that there is this marriage relationship between God and us. I'm married to you. I will take you from a city and two, I'll take you one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. I will bring you to Zion. I will bring you to the house of God. I will bring you to the place where God's presence is, to where God's presence dwells. And here's the, here's in my, for me, this is just glorious. And I will give you shepherds according to your own heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Lord, if, if that's me, then God, give me the strength to be able to do uh, what you're calling us to here at Redeeming Love. God, we thank you for your spirit poured out in this place. God, it's not about, a, it's not about any one man, but it's about the man, the, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. And God, we give you the glory we give you the honor. We give you the praise. Jesus, we invite your presence here among us today. And God, as we seek you, God, we will find you. And we will find you when we seek you with all of our heart, God. God, we will be God finders today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Woo! Well, somebody's excited about, about the message today. It's good. It's good. While we were, after, after we prayed for healing and we went back into worship and we began to worship the Lord again, the Lord, the Lord said to me, encourage the people to worship. Encourage, I want to encourage you to worship. The Lord wants to encourage you to worship. Get out of your comfort zone. If you've never lifted your hands before, lift your hands. If you've never danced before. You know, if, if your thing in worship is to stand there solid as a rock, listen, I'm, I'm begging you, please just start the two-step. It's the Christian two-step. It's the Christian... One, two. One, two. I am not good at ballroom dancing. Pastor Steve can attest to this. I can't hear the rhythm, but I can do the one, two. One, two. You, you guys laugh. This is where I started. 
<clears throat> think um, Hitch, right? That's the name of the movie. This is your home. This is your home. <laughs> where does it go from here? It goes, it goes crazy. But where does it start? It starts real simple. All you need to know is this. All you need to do is this. Just start to worship. I, uh, I'm begging you from the bottom of my heart. God is begging you. Please worship God. Worship God. Worship God. Be, be somewhat expressive in your worship to God. If I see you sitting here, stone cold, not moving, I'm going to take you to your favorite sporting event. I'm going to take you to your favorite concert, artist, whoever it is. And if you get up and make noise there and you're not making noise here, I'm going to take you there. Now people are going to sit on their hands just so I take them to a baseball game. <laughs> baseball season's over. It's over. <laughs> if you worship, if, if you praise and you celebrate for natural things, how much more should we celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and when God does something miraculous in our midst? My house shall be called a house of prayer, and God wants his house to be a house of worship as well. And so this house will be a house of prayer, and this house will be a house of worship, because that's the expression of what Christian life should look like. This is good, and this is healthy. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, we do have a good message today. We'll see how much of it we can get through. <laughs> Contending, it doesn't even matter, because God's here. It doesn't matter if we preach, it, I mean, we have to preach the word. It doesn't matter uh, how much of this message we get through. You've already had a touch from God this morning. And it's more important that you get a touch from God than you get more knowledge about God. The knowledge about God is simply to clarify the path so that you can worship God. The knowledge that we share here, follow me is simply that we can worship God better. It's simply that we can know him more. Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, you search the scriptures for in them you think you find life. And then he said this, but they are that which point to me. It's all about Jesus. Listen, I know that this is so simple. It's like, Children's church, it's engage kids simple. It's first grade level simple. What's the answer? Jesus. What's, what's the answer? Jesus. Jesus is always the answer. It's always the answer. He's always the answer. It just seems way too simple, Pastor Matt. I know it's simple, but that doesn't make it easy. You know, you see the, you see the, the uh, what's that thing called? It's the ninja warrior challenge thing, right? It's simple. You just hang on this bar, pull yourself up, and throw the bar up to the next rung. It's called the pull-up ladder, salmon ladder, right? It's simple. It's not difficult. It doesn't take a lot of knowledge to figure out the salmon ladder. But I don't think there's anybody in here who can do it. It's difficult. It takes physical... <laughs> Jordan just raised his hand. He thinks he can do it. 
Was it Jordan that raised his hand? Somebody raised their hand. <clears throat> Listen, would you put a puddle, pond of water underneath just like they do? Go for it. He could do He might be able to do it. I'm not saying he couldn't. It's something that's simple. It's in the natural. It's simple. But it's very difficult. In the same way. Jesus is the answer. It's very simple. In the spiritual realm, it's the answer. Jesus is the answer. It's simple. But it's, it's, it's more difficult than that salmon ladder in the spiritual realm. It's very, it's very, it's simple, but it's not easy. All right. Maybe we'll, we'll try this message again. <laughs> hey, this message will keep if God wants to do something else. Contending for the fullness of God. Oh, this is good. Contending for the fullness of God. We're, doing, uh, we're in the middle of our series, week six, week six in 11 weeks. Out of 11 weeks, uh, small groups have been going fantastic. Um, my, the small group that I've been doing has been good, good conversation, great conversation. I've had a lot of good feedback from a lot of people. The book is Transforming Lives. The book is Changing uh, who we are from glory to glory. We're becoming more like God. We're seeking Him. We're learning new things about Him. It's changing who we are, and it's causing us to be men and women after God's own heart. Amen? Amen. Amen. Contending for the fullness of God. That's what we want to talk about today. And so what does the fullness of God look like? What does it look like? We could ask this question. What does the fullness of God look like? And so Throughout every generation, the fullness of God looked like something different. In Moses' generation, the fullness of God was the Exodus. In Joshua's generation, the fullness of God was taking the promised land. In David's generation, the fullness of God was military exploits. We saw the fullness of God in David's generation by the fact that the Philistines were completely pushed out. The land was finally completely conquered. In the apostles' day, we see the fullness of God through power, signs, miracles, wonders, the, the, the level of miracles that we've never seen before. This was the fullness of God. In the apostles' day, they preached the, the gospel and 3,000 get saved in a day. This is the fullness of God in the apostles' day. What is the fullness of God today? What is it? What is the fullness of God look like today? What should we be expecting God to be doing in our lives today? So I have a few answers. I know what I think God's, God's should be, God, God wants to do today. And I think that if we take a careful look at Scripture, it's very easy for us to see and figure out and understand what God wants to be doing. And we get to be those who help to bring about the will of God. We get to be, we don't have to be, we get to be. It's our privilege that we get to work hand in hand with God. It's our privilege to be able to bring the Holy Spirit. It's our privilege to be able to walk in all of the fullness of God. Salvations, healings, miracles, signs, wonders. Holiness, deliverance good theology. These are all things that are part of the fullness of God. We don't have time to cover them all today, but we're going to cover a couple. Here's, here's one of the imports of the chapter as well. 
why, if this is the, if this is the will of God, if this is the will of God, if, if salvation's the will of God, if healing's the will of God, if miracles is the will of God, why haven't we seen it? Why haven't we seen the fullness of God? Because you can't have the fullness of God apart from intimacy. You can't have the fullness of God apart from being a man or a woman after God's own heart. You can't do it. Why? Because power corrupts, and ultimate power corrupts ultimately. Ultimately corrupts, corrupts ultimately. So God won't pour out his power on anyone who's not intimate with him because then it becomes about the power and it stops becoming about Jesus. And the moment we get distracted from it being about Jesus, he pulls back and we can no longer move in power. And so as much as we may want to move in power, we'll never move in power without Jesus in our lives, without a wholehearted devotion, without an intimate devotion, without getting alone with Jesus day after day after day in the secret place, reading his word, praying his word, seeking his face, and putting in the effort to know him. Because it's from the place of knowing him, it's from the place of communing with Jesus that we move and walk and have our being. It's from that place and that place alone that we can begin to walk in the fullness of God. And it's only when we can commit to staying in that place of intimacy and commitment that we will continue in the place of miracle signs and wonder salvations. Whew, that was good. <laughs> it's a lot. Here we go, a couple scriptures. Jude 1, 3. Beloved, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. I found it necessary to write you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. We need to contend for the faith. How many of you believe in Jesus? How many of you have the faith? How many of you are keeping the faith? But how many of us know that we have to contend for the faith? We can't just embrace it from afar. We can't just, that's nice. We have to contend. What does contend mean? It means to strive in contest or rivalry or against difficulty. And so we have to, we have to fight against difficulty in order to embrace the fullness of the faith. Contend earnestly. Stand against difficulty earnestly for the faith, for the faith, for the faith. You know, this word faith, it's, it's kind of, I don't know that we really understand it all that well. It doesn't take any faith to believe in something that you see. I have a book in my hand. Who has to have faith to believe that? No one. Why? Because you don't need faith for the things which are seen. But there is, there is a mystery of the faith. There are things that we just don't understand. There's things over here and there's things over there. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. We will not, <laughs> Jesus, we will not accidentally lay hold of the highest calling for our lives. That's from the book. That's actually from the last chapter. 
So if you guys have been keeping up on your reading, you read that. We discussed this. this act, we actually discussed this line last week at Small Group. We will not get a hold of this. We will not accidentally lay hold of the highest call of God for our life. You are not going to get a nine to five and go and do your nine to five and, and just, you know, go through the motions, live the, you know, half American dream, right? Whatever. And one day step into the highest calling of God for your life and raise the dead and heal the sick apart from intimacy with God. Won't happen. I'll guarantee you. I'll guarantee. I'll double guarantee. I'll give you a double your money back. Guarantee. That that won't happen. It won't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. It can't happen that way. We have to contend. We will not accidentally lay hold of the highest calling of God for our life. And so there's two things here. What's the calling of God for the church in this hour? What's the calling? Okay, there's three things. What's the calling of God for the church globally in this hour? What's the call of God for redeeming love in this hour? And what's God's call for you in this hour? Because it's all three. God's got a call for the church internationally, globally. God's got a call for the church. There is something that God is going to do in the church right now. Right now, non-denominational Christianity is the largest growing religion throughout the world, growing faster than Islam. This is the will of God right now for the church around the world. What's going on in America? Not that. What's the will of God for redeeming love in this hour? What's the will of God for redeeming love in this hour? It's to take the city of Troy. God's given us Troy. God's given us Brunswick. God's given us this land. We are well able at once to go up and to take the land, to go out and to take the land, to preach the gospel to those who don't know Jesus and to see them come to salvation. This is God's will for redeeming love today. What's your part in that? I have a, I have a revelation for you. The city of Troy will not be one because of me alone. I would love to think that. I would love if that were the case because I would give myself wholeheartedly. I already have. I'd give myself more to prayer and fasting, but I know that it's not about me. I can only do so much. I am only one man. But if we all together, as the body of Christ at Redeeming Love... Get together on this and say, hey, let's win Troy. Let's save every soul in Troy. 55,000 people in the city of Troy. Let's get 55,000 people in the city of Troy going to church every single Sunday and reaching out and bringing people from neighboring communities. You're, you're keying in on 75,000, 85,000 people being in church on a Sunday morning. I don't think that's happening right now. I've yet to reach out to all of the church leaders and get a tally from, uh, you know, how many people attend their Sunday service on a Sunday morning. Sure, it's not 85,000. Sure. I don't, I don't have to be convinced. I don't have to run the numbers. What's God's part? You say, I can never be a speaker. Maybe God doesn't need you to be a speaker. Maybe God needs you to come and clean the toilets, vacuum the carpets, straighten the chairs, print out envelopes, run through the engage cards, whatever. There's a, there's, a, there's a thousand pieces and parts to this organization called the church, and it's only when we all function in what God's called us to do that we'll see his glory poured out. Why was, the, why was healing poured out in worship this morning? That had something to do with me, but not 
everything to do with me. It had a lot to do with everybody else. It had to do with the worship team. had to do with the keyboardist. had to do with the singer. had to do with the guitar player. had to do with the intercessors that have been interceding for us and interceding for the will of God to come. It actually has a lot to do with the carpet being clean. <laughs> you walk into the church and the carpet's dirty. People are like, ah, God can't come in this place. Your faith goes down. Somebody, somebody pulled in this morning and said, boy, this church needs to be painted. That's right. It does. You're the next man up. I'll pick the color and you put it on. on. We got a good working relationship. <laughs> Glory to God. What's, what is the thing that God's put on your heart? How many of you know that, how many of you know that Prophetic words generally only come to confirm that which you already understand. I've had dozens of prophetic words throughout my life. How many of you know that prophetic words, when the prophet comes and he gives a word, it's usually confirming something that you already know in your heart? I had several prophetic words over my life that I would be in full-time ministry that was something that was already in my heart. This wasn't a mystery to me. I had prayed to God. I had understood this from God. I had this Holy Spirit had already spoken to me. I already knew it. And then the prophet came along to confirm it. Now, if somebody were to say to me right now, you know, prophesy to me right now and say, I see you going to foreign, foreign nations, a missionary to foreign nations, I'd say, well, maybe in 20 or 30 years after I, you know, have served here at Redeeming Love and, and walked out the calling of God on my life in this place, or perhaps something else would happen. That might happen. I mean, I could see myself going to foreign nations as a regular, you know, large main part of my ministry, but right now God's got me here. And so what's God calling you to? All right, we got to get going. All right. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So here's, here's the scripture. It's God's will for every person on the planet to be saved. When you're walking down the street and you see somebody, a living, breathing human being, it's God's desire that that person be saved. There's no mystery here. There's no if, ands, or buts. It, he is not willing that any should perish. No one perishes. No one. God's will. No one perishes. The reality, Matthew 7, 21. For wide is the gate and broad is the path that lead to destruction, and many are they that enter through it. God's will, reality. God's will, reality. God's will, everyone gets saved. Reality, many are going to, Enter through the wide gate and that broad path. What does this mean? How do we understand this? If it's God's will for all men to be saved, why aren't they saved? There's this dichotomy between the sovereignty of God and the reality that I'm seeing. The, the Bible says that it's God's will that every man is saved. But the, real, the, the scripture also says that many are going to perish. What happened to the sovereignty of God? God can do anything that he wants at any time. We forgot there's also free will. And so we have this balance. We have this 
tension, if you will. And this is the faith. I don't understand. How can it be God's will that every man is saved? And how can it be that the Bible says that many will perish? And yet, they're two different things. We hold them in tension, and this is what we call the faith. I don't understand. Pastor Matt, you didn't do a good job of explaining it. No, I did an excellent job of explaining it. It's just something that can't be understood. And this is why it's called faith. It's a mystery. It's only when we embrace mystery that we understand and our faith grows. Look, how much faith does it take to believe that I'm holding a book in my hand? It doesn't take me any faith. I can see it with my eyes. And if you were to come up here and touch my hand in the book, you can tell I've got my fingers firmly grasped around the book. No faith. My five physical senses can prove to me that you are holding a book. Some of them. You wouldn't want to taste that. (laughs) But how much faith does it take for me to believe that God desires that every man would be saved? I believe it because the scripture says it. I believe it because the scripture says it. I believe it because the scripture says it. And so what am I going to do? Because the scripture says that every man, God desires every man to be saved. So what do, what do I walk out? What do I do with what I know the will of God to be? I preach the gospel. I share Jesus. I share the love of Jesus with everyone, with everyone I meet. There's no reason not to. When you're out at Home Depot and you are checking out, that lady at the cash register, God wants her to be saved. When you're at the paint department and the guy's shaking your paint, God wants that guy to be saved. When you're in the parking lot loading up your load and somebody comes and helps you, God wants that person to be saved. When you're in the parking lot and you start helping someone else to load their load, God wants that person to be saved. When you go to the grocery market, right? We covered the men, let's cover the ladies. When you go to the grocery market, I'm, now I'm, I'm getting, getting really digging a hole. I'll just, leave my, I'll just leave my shovel alone for a minute. When you go to the grocery market, man or woman, whatever, when you go to the grocery market and you're checking out in the checkout aisle, hey, God wants that cashier to be saved. When you're in the aisle and you're asking one of the associates, hey, where's the peanut butter? God wants that associate to be saved. When some other person in the store says, hey, do you know where they keep the bananas? God wants that person to be saved. There's no question. If you meet a warm, living, breathing human being, God's desire is salvation. And fear is rising in the congregation. Oh, Pastor Matt wants me to share Jesus. Fear. I can feel it. You're like, ah, the nails are beginning to be chewed. Ah, ah, I can't do that. Listen, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, we're going off, we're going off. That's about all we're going to share from the message today. The rest of it will keep till next week because we're talking about contending for the faith next week too. Sharing Jesus is not that difficult. Sharing Jesus is just not that difficult. We've made it more difficult than it needs to be. I've got to look in my notes here, so it might take me a minute to find it. But sharing Jesus is just not that difficult. I was recently at a Power and Love um, conference. And I'm getting there. Here it is. And so the thing about a Power and Love conference is you go and you hear a message, and then after the morning session, as you go out to lunch, you go and you share Jesus with people. And then when you come back, the first 10 minutes of the message is all testimony 
about what Jesus did with you, speaking to others while you were out. And so for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, we hear testimony after testimony after testimony. The spirit of Jesus. So here's just a few real quick, real quick cues. Number one, when when you go to share Jesus with somebody, share in love. It's so simple, right? Share in love and not a project mentality. All right? So we take this and we're like, I got to share Jesus. And all of a sudden we make it a job. And we leave the love behind and we're like, I got to, I got to, I got to. No, don't I got to this thing. It's God desires for you to and you get to. And when you go, share the love of God. Share the love of God. Share with love. If you're not sharing with love, you're not sharing. When you go in love, you cannot lose. When you go in love, you cannot lose. When you go in love, right, you going out, loving these people, when you go and you're you're walking through the place, be it the mall, the grocery store, the Home Depot, whatever it is, wherever you're at, when you're going through in love, you're just sowing seeds. And some, some, will, some will bring in a harvest, and some, you know, the harvest will come later. Some, some sow, some water, some fertilize, but God gives the growth. And so we may sow a, a, a seed 10 times before that person actually says, who is this Jesus? Some people may need to hear the gospel preached to them 10 times before they say, who is this Jesus? When you go, don't be weird. We covered this already. Don't be weird. When you go, go, if you can, go two at a time. And the, the, when the one person's sharing, it's the other person's job to keep them from being weird. If I'm out with Fred and Fred starts to get weird, Fred doesn't get weird. If, if I'm out with Fred and Fred starts sharing, okay, <laughs> I can't say that. Fred's, Fred's my friend. Fred's my friend. If I'm out with Fred and Fred starts sharing Jesus with somebody and he starts to get weird, I'm just going to put my hand on his back and, and be like, no, nonverbal cue, and Fred knows, ah, I'm, I'm getting weird. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to back up a little bit. Don't be weird. Go in groups of two. I said that already. Don't argue about theology right? Can I tell you about Jesus? I, okay. Um, so I went to the Home Depot and I was sharing Jesus with a couple people, shared Jesus with the paint guy, shared Jesus with the cashier. And then I was loading my truck and this guy came walking by and he just had this look. And so he was looking at me for too long and I'm like, okay, and I'm going to share Jesus with him. And so I'm, and I said, I just said, it's not hard. Hi, my name's Matt. Do you know Jesus loves you? Hi, my name's Matt. What's your name? Bob, do you know Jesus loves you? It's that simple. Lead off with one of two things. Lead off with Jesus loves you or hi, my name is, what's your name? I, you know what I realized in attending the Power and Love Conference? That we need to learn how to approach people because we don't know how. The evangelists are here to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so the evangelist taught us how to evangelize. It's simple. And so, listen, we, we did this. I'm, okay, I'm jumping off of the Home Depot story. We'll come back to that. 
We told, they, go, go tell people Jesus loves you. First day out, we're sitting in the restaurant and the waitress comes to the table, right? This is our mission, right? Just tell her. And so she, she's bringing us food and stuff. And I said, do you know that Jesus loves, I didn't say it, the other person said it. Do you know that Jesus loves you? And she was, and so her response actually kind of shocked me. She said, oh my gosh, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that today. And I'm like, wow, this is really easier than, it, than, it, than we thought. Jesus loves you. Hey guys, I need you to remember three words in a specific order. Say it with me. Jesus loves you. It was a door opener, right? And so what'd she say? She's like, oh my gosh, you have no idea how much I needed that today. And so we started sharing just a little bit. And then, you know, I, it, it, we're in a restaurant. She's got places to go. She's got things to do. And so I, I simply said, is there something that we can pray for you for? And so, right, pray for people. Just pray for people. Stretch your hands out. You, if you don't like touching people, don't touch them, but stretch your hands towards them. Can I pray for you? Stretch your hand towards them and pray and see what God will do. And so can, is there anything that we can pray for? And she says this, I'm, and I'm, I'm completely and utterly bewildered, shocked to the point where I'm like, she says, yeah, my boyfriend just left me and my mom kicked me out of the house. This is a true story. I'm not making this up. This actually happened. And I'm like, people share this stuff with strangers? Yeah, when you're going in love. Yeah, when you're going in love, when you're going without judgment, when you're going without a project mentality. She said, my boyfriend just broke up with me and my mom just kicked me out. And I'm like, wow, she's having a bad day. She really needs G God sent us to this table. This was not just any accident. You know, there were three or four other servers in the table, but we specifically sat in this section. God ordained the thing. We prayed. She starts crying. We take our napkins off the table from underneath our silverware and we're like, here, you know, because she's crying. The tears are running down her face. We're sharing Jesus with her. It's so simple. It's so simple. Listen, perfect love casts out all fear. The fear, as I started to talk about sharing Jesus, the fear, I could feel it rising. The perfect love of Jesus casts out all fear. And so don't fear, only love. Don't fear, only love. Don't fear, only love. Go in love. Go in love. Be love. Jesus loves. Why does Jesus want everyone to be saved? For God to love the world. Jesus loves everyone. This is not a question. Six billion people on the planet, six billion people that Jesus loves. Jesus loves the Muslim. Jesus loves the adulterer. Jesus loves the homosexual. Jesus loves everyone. There's no, there's no one that Jesus doesn't love. The murderer, the convict, the this one, the that one. Love, 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 love. Jesus loves them. And so if you were to go out and find someone that's breathing, and you say, or not, and you say, Jesus loves you, it's a true statement. It doesn't make it less true because they don't believe it. Don't argue about theology. One more story, then we're going to take communion. I promise. You know what it means when the pastor says it's time to end? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> My favorite joke. Oh, Lord. So I'm at the Home Depot. This guy comes walking by, and he's just looking at me for way too long, and I, he's going to get Jesus shared with him. And I said, Jesus, can I tell you that Jesus loves you? 
And he, and he stops and, he's, and, he, and he shakes his head and, and he says, why, why? And he had, a, he had an accent, and so I'm going to try to kind of Im- imitate it a little bit. He didn't have good English. He says, why everything break? Everything break. This break, that break. And he starts to go through the list, right? Why do you come to the Home Depot? Because things are broken. <laughs> the only people that go to the Home Depot without things that are, aren't that aren't broken are new construction, and that's small. We people that go to new construction are usually going to Curtis Lumber, right? New construction, uh, getting off on a tangent. <laughs> so I said to this guy, Jesus loves you, and he says, why everything break? And so I said, it won't be like that when we get to heaven, right? So I'm going to start to give him hope. This is, I'm, this is my thinking, right? I'm going to interject my thinking here. I'm going to start to give him hope. won't be like that when we get to heaven. And so Back and forth we go for a little bit. And so I bring up heaven again. And he says, nah, only 144,000. And so I knew what I was dealing with. Somebody says that they're, they're the Jehovah Witness because the Jehovah's Witness believe that only 144,000 will go to heaven. You can start playing at any time. So the Jehovah Witness believe that only 144,000 are going to heaven. So I start, I start thinking in my theological mind that I'm going to convince this man out of his theology. Well, long story short, after about three minutes, the whole thing crashed and burned and nothing happened. And so what I should have done, what I learned to do, which I failed to implement, was pray for him. I never prayed for him. Listen, you can have wrong theology and God will show up. When I'm praying for someone who doesn't believe in God, God doing something's on me. It's not on the person that I'm praying for. When the men brought the paralytic to Jesus and they lowered him down through the roof and he gets to Jesus and it says, by their faith, he is healed. The men that were dropping him through the roof had faith for him. So when we pray, listen, Here's how it should have gone, right? Oh, no, only 140,000. Listen, is there anything that I can pray for you for? I'm not even going to enter into a theological debate or discussion. I'm not going there. I'm not going there because I lose every time. When I start arguing theology, you know what I'm saying? I think I know more than you. And then it becomes a battle of wits and we lose every time because only God is smart. (laughs) Only God is wise. The rest of us are trying to figure it out. Can I pray for you? And I'm sure that he would have said, you know, my knee's bothering me. I'm sure he would have said, my knee's bothering me. And I say, listen, I know Jesus heals. Let me pray. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And so we can't be afraid to share the love of Jesus, because it's not about you. It's not about you. See, we get afraid because we're like, oh, me, no. (laughs) The fear is wrapped up in me. We're afraid because what are they going to think about me? We're afraid because me, I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough. I can't do enough. No, you can't. You never will. You never will be able to. You will never, ever, ever, when you're 100 years old and you've memorized the Bible, forward, backward, know every scripture by line and verse, and I say, what's Ecclesiastes 3.7? You whip it out. 
you still at that point cannot save a soul. Only Jesus can save a soul. Only Jesus can save a soul. And what do we do? We get to bring the love of God to someone. We're carriers of love. Oh, we are carriers of the redeeming love of God. We are carriers of the redeeming love of God. We are carriers and attenders at this wonderful place called the redeeming love of God that we could bring love to those who need to be redeemed. And it's so simple. Just tell people that Jesus loves them. Pray for them. And when they ask you a question, say, listen, I don't know, but Pastor Steve will. Ha, 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 That's me delegating. That's me delegating. That's me delegating. Listen. <laughs> you know what? I don't know the answer to that question. You don't have to know the answers. You don't need to know the answers in order to pray for people. You don't need to know the answers to, in order to see God heal people. You don't need to know the answers in, in order to see God comfort that person whose mom just kicked them out of the house. You don't need to know the answers. All you need to know is Jesus and that he loves them and that he wants them to be saved. That he loves them and that he wants them to be saved. Amen. Amen. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So listen, we started to talk about this. We're going to, I'm on slide three of eight. We'll finish this message next week, but listen. This week, I will identify the fullness of God in my life. Maybe that's the box. This week, I will. A couple boxes here on the back of your Engage card. Maybe you need to this week, in your prayer time, in your quiet time, while you're spending time with Jesus, maybe you need to figure out what is the fullness of God in my life look like? What does the fullness of God in my life look like? And so the next one says, add fasting to a regular part of my lifestyle. We didn't get to that scripture today. That's the one that I checked because I knew the message. <laughs> I fast regularly, but I want to fast more. Fasting is a way that we can become to a more intimate place with Jesus. It's a way of entering into a deeper place of intimacy with Jesus so that we're able to walk in more of his power, so that we're able to walk in more of his anointing, so that we're able to walk in more of what he's doing because he won't pour out power aside from, from, from intimacy because pride grows there. He won't pour out power aside from intimacy because pride grows there. If we were to be able to walk in power without being intimate with Jesus, we would become very prideful very quickly. And Jesus doesn't want that because the word says that God resists the proud. And so the only way that we're going to be able to walk in the power of the anointing that Jesus wants for our life is to become more intimate with him. It's in the place of becoming more intimate with Jesus that we will move into places of more power and anointing where we'll be able to share the gospel and see people saved. See, you thought power and anointing and you thought miracle signs and wonders. It's about sharing the love of God and seeing people come to Christ.
The signs and the wonders are just a, a side benefit to show that what we're saying is true. Why did the miracle signs and wonders come? To prove that the word of God is true. Jesus said, if you do not believe me, believe me for the signs which I do. The signs are a side issue. Tongues is a side issue. <laughs> Pentecostals are burning all over the room. Oh! Tongues is a side issue. Tongues is not the gift. It's the Spirit of God that's the gift. Tongues is a manifestation of the, 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 the fact that the Holy Spirit is on you. Healings. Healings is not the gift. Signs and wonders is not the gift. If I never see a miracle, if I never saw healing, I would still follow Jesus wholeheartedly my whole life. It's about Him. And the, the miracle signs and wonders, they're just a side benefit. Man, the next scripture is so good. Let's get ready to take communion. We have to, we have to end now. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Jesus. 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 So if you take that little tab and you push it down and then release it, the little cellophane will come back and then it's easier to open up the bread. And try not to open up the wine because you don't want to have to try not to spill it.